uh, Deanna, compulsive overeater, food addict. Um, I hope it's okay that I, I'm actually going to read what I prepared. Otherwise, I probably would just go in circles. But um, I recently heard Dan S. Um, of the Big Book Awakening take step nine, the step nine promises from the big book and read it uh, from the lens of his alcoholism. And I thought that I should start with that. As I was painstaking about my phase of compulsive overeating, I was amazed before I was half through. I had found a new freedom and a different happiness. I had much regret for the past, but didn't wish to close the door on it. I had found a sort of numb serenity an unfeeling peace. No matter how far down the scale I had gone, I was sure that my experiences benefited others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity was perpetuated. I had gained more interest in selfish things and had no real interest in my fellows. Self-seeking had taken hold. My whole attitude and outlook on life had darkened. And fear of people and economic insecurity never left me. All situations baffled me. I had come into agreement with food that it should do for me what I wouldn't allow God to do. And when I could look at it like that, I grew ever desperate to find freedom. One of the things that has tormented me my whole life um, was the mental obsession. Before I knew God, I had the kinds of thoughts that would, you know, keep a conversation spinning in my head and it could last for days. I would overanalyze everything. I thought everyone uh, had this happening in their heads. I mean, I didn't know any different. Um, even in the past 11 years, having met Jesus, these obsessive thoughts remained. They would always override the truth and knowledge that I had learned in God's word. I know today that when I'm consumed with what will they think of me or I wish I hadn't said that, that I'm actually in a stronghold. My strongholds have led me to the uncontrollable urge to stuff, stuff my face so that I feel better, so that I feel something or that I feel nothing at all. Strongholds come in many forms, but I think commonly they have us saying things like, crap, I ate that again, I yelled at them again, I drank again, I smoked again, I watched again, I created chaos again, and controlled that situation or a person again, all because we try to comfort ourselves. I just became so tired of those against. And thankfully, and as God would have it, um, I've been reading in the book of Isaiah, which tells me that God brings freedom through shattering the yoke of strongholds. <clears throat> in Judges, again, the people of Israel did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they were, when they, sorry, <laughs> and when they were brought very low, they cried out to the Lord. Well, that was me. I was stuck in the great oppression of the against. I felt beaten down like the Israelites. I was a believer and still a prisoner in bondage of those strongholds. Captivity doesn't apply only to non-believers. Rather, it's me as a believer blind to my agnosticism. 
It is my own manufactured fears that perpetuates my captivity and blocks my usefulness. My agnosticism renders me useless to God and others. It tells me, you know, that my God is big, but not big enough for me, or maybe that I'm too small and meaningless for such a big God. Although I didn't realize that before. The sad part is that I could never see my fears for what they were before this past month. <clears throat> I self-created a shield against the world. I held a lifelong entitlement clause written into my script of life. <clears throat> I've described this recently by saying that I wore my victimization from my childhood like a cop wears their badge. And that by carrying all my junk on my shoulders, by wearing it, you know, invisible places like across my chest or when I felt really cool, I hooked it to my waist. Anywhere it was visible so that somehow when I'm rough and loud and flippant, I could feel justified saying, just look at my past. Remember, I was blinded to these fears. But I think subconsciously, you know, I wore them <clears throat> this way to remind myself that everyone was sure to hurt me. And so I was allowed to hurt first. And believe me, I did. I heard someone say just this past week that they had an abnormal reaction to people. And um, I get that because that was me. I couldn't bond or find any kind of intimacy or trust. I grew to ricochet everything off of the tin breastplate that I had created, which of course made a lot of noise. And I created a lot of noise. I know today though that it's not that I was, I thought that I was super special per se, or too great. In fact, I dislike myself very much. Rather, I, <clears throat> I was simply consumed with self self-preservation, um, and I relied solely on self to survive. Ultimately, I did a horrible job. I lost many good people and ended up alone, hopeless, and on the streets. But even after God plucked my drug addiction from me, my relationship with others and self didn't change. I mean, Sure, a calm came over me and I grew less angry, but I was still super angry. I still felt entitled to my anger. It was okay that I yelled. It was okay that I just couldn't rely, or sorry, <clears throat> I just couldn't really nurture any relationships. Except maybe the one with my youngest son, but that's debatable. I mean, it really bothered me though, because one of my biggest fears that I've come to realize is that I would die without ever experiencing a real friendship. You know, maybe that I would die alone. The big book tells me that self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, selfishness, self-centeredness are all driven by a hundred forms of fear. In this way, the agains keep me sick. No self-will, no striving can bring me out of that captivity, that bondage. I see that nothing changes when I continue to hold on to the way that I've been doing things again and again. It's not the people, situations, or circumstances around me. It's not necessarily my traumas, although, I mean, obviously, they've absolutely contributed to the delusions that I have been 
living in for years. I clung to them because I couldn't see beyond them. I've directed everything to perpetuate these exact stories and situations so I could repeat the selfish actions which led me to self-soothing and find comfort in the things other than God. All because God seemed only big enough for everyone else but me. And then I realized that what I needed was to make the liberty found in Christ an actual reality in my everyday. This way, God could break the strongholds and lift the mental obsession. Because God does that. But I mean, how long did I play the role? How long did I play the role of the one that I wasn't? How long was I playing God in my life and in other people's lives too? I mean, as a wanter of freedom, I needed to claim that promised liberty found in Christ. I mean, my miracle occurs <clears throat> only when I claim it and receive it. Now, you might ask me how. For me, it's been kind of back and forth, meaning that I haven't actually mastered it yet. But it consists partly in me, um, sorry, partly with bathing my mind in edifying things. So the big book and scripture readings, but also through the engagement in the um, Big Book Awakening program. Meetings, daily readings, reaching out to others. As a very wise and dear friend recently encouraged me to do, also through daily quiet time. But the key word there is daily. And if anyone knows me, they know that in the past, I've not made friends with daily doings. And so again and again, I fell prey <clears throat> and still fall prey to my own manifestation of fears that I've been living in. The ones that my actions and attitudes reflect, the ones that drive the delusions I cling to. These steps, as small as they are, can seem huge. And if you're anything like me, they are huge. For me, it feels like mountain climbing in rainy season and sometimes even in a blizzard. But the payoff is that the mental obsession is relieved. The renewing of mind and spirit occurs and a closeness to God is found. The big book promises that the miracle is that I no longer fight, strive, become tired, and that I no longer do everything in my power to avoid temptation. For me, avoiding temptation in the past years looked like meal plans, counting calories, exercising, you know, that little bit extra so that I could eat something sweet, pushing people away, running from one accomplishment to the next, being the loudest and the funniest in the room, or at least sure made a scene trying to be. All this to always feel in control. But the best promise for me is that we come sorry, we will come to a position of neutrality, a place where we experience safety and protection. This isn't something, of course, that I can do on my own power because I am the real deal. And if you are the real deal too, I bet you can't either. Self-reliance most definitely has failed. And so they say a spiritual encounter must occur. I personally tend to want instant results. Slow and steady has never been enough. I mean, my mind races and I can't even see slow movements. Slow doesn't even compute in my brain. Well, that is until it happens or until 
he again can be sensed moving slowly towards me. I recently experienced myself able to sense the welling up inside of me as the again moved towards me. Just last week, I felt it. It was a heat and an uneasiness that welled and I was physically able to walk away and text a friend. I didn't yell again, I didn't eat again, and I didn't try to control again. And for me, that's my miracle. The Bible has promises too. Ephesians 3 tells us that he works. He works in us and does all we ask, but also much more than we ask. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart of man can imagine what he has prepared for us. His promise is that we shall have what is beyond our imaginings. And I can never imagine, sorry, I could never imagine a day where I could walk away from a good fight, a sweet item, or a situation that would fuel my pride and puff my chest. But I see, I see his plan to freedom for me and for you. The big book says that we find freedom and a new happiness. I now see that happiness Sorry, that the happiness that God has planned is eternal. It's not fleeting. I could never imagine this sort of finite, sorry, this sort of infinite happiness because I was so busy manipulating and directing the finite things, the things that were immediately beside me and so many things that actually weren't there but I thought were. I was stuck yelling again, eating again, and grew resentful again. And you might have different agains than I do, but it's always and again until God is everything. <sighs> Judges 6 reminds me that without God <sighs> and without freedom, we seek shelter. We hide. Israelites sought shelter or hid in the mountains. And no matter what the Israelites did, they were unproductive. And what crops that they did produce were devoured. I mean, I can see so much parallels in my own life. Isolation was my best friend. Everything that I thought that I built and strive for crumbled to the ground. Not just material things, but relationships too. For so long, a self-manifestation fear manifested, sorry, a self-manifested fear, like up until just this beginning of June, was that I, all that I'd worked for in these past 11 years would once again be lost. I constantly waited for the other foot to drop. I mean, again, I'd fail, again, I'd hurt, again, I'd act out and self-soothe, and again, I'd lose my life. But thankfully, the agains will become farther and farther apart through work, sorry, through working the program and relying on Jesus. And of course, I can't reach for him perfectly every time. But eventually, as the big book book says, it becomes a working part of my mind. And that's huge. I remind myself that anything that I do on my own will, ultimately, amounts to nothing. I know now that 
I sat on my director's chair above the actors and I set in motion the play and it remained my safety zone. And that is until it wasn't safe anymore. That safety zone is what keeps me sick and from producing unimaginable fruit. The Bible says we're to bear much fruit. And so when I'm sure that I'm going to fail at everything, and when I hold on to my fear of having expectations put on me by God and by others around me, I remain a prisoner. And those feelings that creep up, the emptiness, inferiority, weakness, <clears throat> being less than, not smart, not enough, well, they're all tied to the yoke of a prisoner. And then I'm a prisoner of self. The Big Book Awakening really brought home for me that honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness is what's going to bring me to death of self. Death of self leads me to full reliance on God. And importantly, the Word of God breaks every stronghold. Because only God can address my against, I can't. Big Book tells me that... <clears throat> God will remove every single character defect that holds me back from helping or being useful to God and others. I mean, like, at first, this kind of freaked me out. And I, I was found joking and saying, right, but who will I be then? But Big Book Awakening Workbook sweetly points out that this doesn't mean that he removes all my defects. It means that God removes just the defects that stand in the way of my usefulness. And I chuckle because it also tells me that some of those defects <laughs> are what makes me an attraction to others. <laughs> when we ask God to remove our fears and direct our attention to what he would have us be and not do, the reality is that our ism, so the alcoholism, the drugism, excessive or restrictive foodism, sexism, fantasyism, chaos-creating-ism, control-ism, remain. But thankfully, they're suppressed. The only way I can describe it is to say that we don't lose the allergy, so to speak. We're just relieved from the death of it. I mean, you know, we're still going to get scratchy throats or itchy skin when we're around them, but no longer will we need the EpiPen to survive them or... Maybe God is at EpiPen, and I like that. God will bring me to where I am to be. He will show me who I'm supposed to be. He knows me. Again, God is everything or he is nothing, and for me, he must be everything. I love that step seven invited me to walk with God away from the bondage of self, away from the oppression, away from the prisoner's life, away from the fear of the against, and through the arch and into a new abundant life, an unimaginable life. It's truly unimaginable for me where he can take me. The work is simple yet hard. I have to be intentional, but it's so worth it. So I'm going to leave you guys by saying that the process stinks. <laughs> it really hurts a lot. Like, it feels like at least for me, like someone is peeling off your skin or like death is so close. But alas, Judges 6 assures us that do not fear, 
you shall not die. And that's all I have.